Tēnā koutou, no mai, hi to mai, welcome to q and I'm Jack Tame. Today, is Christopher Luxon New Zealand's next Prime Minister? Most of us are going backwards. And New Zealand should be a country where if you work hard, you can get ahead. We take a closer look at one of the most keenly contested Māori electorates and the unabashedly outspoken Rawiri Waititi. You were suspended from Parliament after appearing to breach name suppression for a case currently before the courts. What, what on earth were you doing? What on earth were they doing suspending me? We'll have that interview for you shortly. But we begin this morning with National Leader Christopher Luxon. A week into the formal election campaign, polling trends suggest his party is leading and that if the trends continue, Luxon could soon be in a position to become New Zealand's next Prime Minister. Christopher Luxon, kia ora, good morning. Good morning, Jack. Good to be with you. Good to be with you. I'm going to break the interview into two parts. So, so for the first part, I want to talk about values. And there has been a lot of talk in this election campaign so far about the squeezed middle, not so much about the crushed bottom in New Zealand. Now, National has just released its social housing policy. So how much funding are you committing to building state houses? Well, what we're saying there is housing's been an abject failure under Labor. As you well know, when you actually buy a house, you rent a house, we go on a state or social house wait list, they're all very connected issues. Mm -hmm. And so you've actually got to deal with all three aspects of that in housing if you're going to solve the problem. What we're saying in social housing is, look, we think we can make much better use of community housing providers. Mm -hmm. You know, They are very nimble, they're very quick. Uh, they also have very good wraparound and pastoral care support. So how do we get them more capital and funding to do more building? Mm -hmm. The second piece is how do we actually make sure we get people out of houses, out of motels and out of cars They've often been there for more than three months or 12 weeks and actually make them priority one and move them to the top of the wait, um, the wait list. Mm. And the third bit is we've got to do a review of Kainga Aura because there's a number of things going horribly wrong there. And so, you know, we want them to be able to evict unruly tenants that are causing major problems. We want them to be able to go through their procurement and asset management exercises when Ministry mm. of Housing and Urban Development says there's some challenges there. So we need to make sure that they're functioning in a much better way as well. So to my question, how much new funding are you committing to well, we're committing to what the, we're committing to what the government's funding. Beyond what the government's funded? No, because they've limited their funding for a couple of years. So, we're, so we're on the same track. There's plenty of money there. There's, you know, $5 billion. But be, beyond what the that. government has committed, what are you committing Well, to? what we're committing to is exactly the same track as what the government has committed. I think so you're going to build six... more state houses than the government, but with the same no, pot of build, money? No, we're going to make sure we actually deliver houses through Kyangora. Yep. doing as much as they can do, but importantly also community housing. So how many homes are you going to build? We think we'll add about 6,000 homes. We actually have to, over hope what to have period? A, hope to have about 80,000 uh, social housing uh, in place by uh, over four years, over so the four-year period. 6,000 over, over four years? Uh, 6,000 extra new to houses. to 80,000 social houses available here in New Zealand. So just be same, totally same track as the government. Right, your target is to same build... Same budget, same, same, same number of houses. So same number of houses. So actually no, no difference when it comes to the state housing... Well, the providing. No, but the way we'll have more houses will actually be the fact we're going to build more houses mm. in the in the private market. Yeah. We're going to we're going to restore the private functioning of that rental market, so we actually get more landlords putting more rental properties available, and we'll continue to maintain the government's track on social housing. The mix by which we but, do that. No, but for social housing, uh, just to be totally clear, for social housing, you, you're going to build the same number of houses as the government. You're going to put no extra funding into it, but you are going to increase. Well, the funding's supply not of funding. the problem here. Right? Oh, housing. There is plenty of funding there. The question is the delivery. Right. And so we want better delivery out of KO. Mm. We want to be able to give capital and funding into community housing providers mm. who are doing an exceptionally good job. But not, not committing any additional funding, just uh, to be clear. No, we don't need okay. to. We don't so, need so, to do so your party also wants to reform Kainga Order, like so you just the mentioned? The only thing I'd say is that we do want to actually take $50 million and actually put it into what we call a social investment fund and bond to say, how do we deal with the intractable problem of emergency housing? 
and can we work with providers who mm. can get creative and innovative, access that $50 million and give it to them if they can find us solutions that gets people out of those emergency motels and out of those cars right. uh, in the short term, but more importantly, gets them to stick in that accommodation over the medium to long term. So, so your party wants to reform kāinga ora, as you mentioned, so they can more easily evict people for antisocial well, behaviour. Well, really, there's some very big challenges So, 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 so where, where would those people go once um, they're evicted? Well, look, that'll be a responsibility of kāinga ora to find that, but what we can't have... Uh, no, but, no, here's the deal. No, 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 no
2017? Well, I'll tell you, we are determined to do to make action in the housing market, and we've got to do three things at the same time. Uh, unlike all the previous governments. Well, they haven't executed it, right, determined. and they haven't determined it. And whether mm. it's been previous national or Labour governments, I don't really care. I'm focused on the future to make sure we solve a housing problem in New Zealand. But you are returning we, we are those policy a... settings to exactly the ones we had that led to the crisis that's in the rubbish. first place. It's absolute rubbish. So what's different? So let's, be, let's take it through. So if you want to actually build more houses so people mm. can actually buy a house and have a shot at being able to do that, you need to be able to get councils and towns across New Zealand tomorrow to go out and actually rezone land mm. for 30 years of housing growth. You then need to introduce innovative funding and financing tools that encourage developers to actually get in and actually develop those developments, use targeted rates, other things that exist around the world that we haven't applied mm. completely in New Zealand. And then thirdly, we're going to pay councils for participating in that growth by actually saying for every house that you deliver over the five-year average... But you're also going to remove the compulsion around medium density, right? So well, you're going to say that... I mean, that, that's, that's also your policy, right? Let's not we shy want, away We from want that. to deliver the number of houses that are needed to deliver the population mm. growth and, and the growth in the city. A, a council can determine whether they keep those medium density rules. Some yeah. may do that. Others may choose to actually densify their cities over transport hubs, which we fully support, or open up greenfields. They have to deliver a number of houses, right? The same uh, number of houses. Are you that going are to lower your rents, the properties that you rent out? Um, I, I, it's got not about me, Jack. No, but, no, you've, but, said, but you've, said, you've said that your yeah. settings are going to lead to I know, lower rents. You talk about my properties every no, time. No, that's a simple question. Yeah, I know. Well, it's, it's pretty simple. Reasonable, um, isn't it? I mean, you've got multiple investment properties. Well, so will you be lowering your rents? What I'll be saying to you is that we are going to put downward pressure on rents by actually unwinding the bright line test from 10 to 2 years right. and unwinding interest deductibility and changing some of the tenancy laws. Okay, so, so will you be advice, lowering your rents? That is advice that the government um, put in place mm. to this government, uh, you know, Treasury put into the so, again, you're not answering not, my question. So you, get, you say there's going to be downward pressure on rents, so, so will you be lowering your rents? Uh, it's not about me, Jack. I don't know. I haven't thought that through, and I'm not thinking that through. But if there's downward... I mean, sh why would you not think it through? I mean, you, you've obviously thought through everything that leads to downward pressure. No, what I'm... What I'm I'll, I'll just let's zoom out a little bit. We have a housing problem in New Zealand. Mm. We have talked about this for years. This government under six years has actually made things worse and has been, has mm. been an absolute failure. You've got to work on all three components of housing. And so one is you, you have are to reinstating the incentives that led you to the to problem in the first place. No, I so what, no, what does no, it say about no, your no, values? Mate, mate, I disagree that with in the that. middle of a cost no, of living stop, crisis, stop. Why don't we have your funding chat? cuts. Why don't we have that chat? Because you just made a statement there that we're reinstating something that's causing a problem that we've had in the I'm past. I'm saying you're reinstating incentives for landlords. And Brightline test and, and, and interest deductibility, mm. the official advice mm. from the Treasury and from the IRD to this government was do not do this. Why? Because it's adding cost to landlords that will lead to higher rents and therefore less properties. But available. I'm saying, but that doesn't and that so doesn't address my question around incentives for landlords. Though that's an incentive for landlords. We need right? a, we need a private rental mm. market to function, Jack. Mm. I have been in emergency accommodation where people lost a house that they had a private landlord arrangement. Mm. The rents went up fifty dollars a week, and they find themselves now in a motel accommodation. So, so, yeah. I, so this is quite serious stuff. No, I agree. We can be flipping about it, or we can actually try and solve it. And what we're saying is, we've got to solve the home ownership piece. Mm. We have to solve the rental market and have a, pro mm. a functioning rental market. The other things that we'd want to do in the rental market would be to actually build what we call build-to-rent products. Yeah. They've just started to emerge in New Zealand. We want to turbocharge that. And then on the social housing piece, we need KO doing its job with greater effectiveness. Kicking people and out. N not, absolutely. Not telling because, us where they're going to be. No, because but, it's yeah. not acceptable, frankly, to be able to take a state house. Well, my, the good news is that once they're kicked out, the problem just disappears. No, my, no, the, um, here's, so, here's so, 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 no I, I want to talk about, I mean, I want to talk about values. We've no, got to keep moving. We've got to keep moving. Again. But you, know, you can't have 10,000 people actually, you know, 10,000 complaints and only 
two If you could tell to... me, I've given you so many opportunities to tell me where they go. That's yep. the problem, right? Like, if I mean, if you could snap their well, fingers, they're not going to be in properties. They need to be evicted. Okay. Yep. So, so I mean, it's still yep. going to be a problem for the community, though, for the people who sure. live around. But actually, for the people right, that are on wait lists who okay. desperately want a house, they get their shot at getting one. Climate. Fair so, so you've hit up money from the climate fund to pay for your tax cuts, two point three billion dollars over four years. How will you pay for climate mitigation and adaptation? Well, what we're going so climate mitigation and adaptation slightly different challenge from what you're talking about. Well, it's here. one of the roles of the climate. It's fund. one of one of the roles, mm. yes. But that's a that's a problem where in government we want to be able to sit down with all the political parties and actually find mm. a bipartisan way through that because that is a very complex what, issue. What would that look like? Well, like, we need to get the parties together and actually work together on a proper solution. Can you give us a sense of what? It well, would there's look going like? to be multiple governments over multiple decades mm. thinking about climate adaptation. And it's a question of, is it the private land, you know, private landowner that pays? Mm. Is it the councils? Is it central government? Is it insurers? Is it banks? Is it this generation? Is it next generation? Mm. And so what I want to see is a framework emerge that we can actually get bipartisan support because over the next 30 years, there'll be different governments of different mm. colours and different persuasions. And let's lock that up, invent that solution for New Zealand, and let's work towards that. Isn't that the ETS? Uh, no, this is about making sure. Well, the ETS I'll come back to, but in terms mm. of actually climate adaptation and dealing, and dealing you want to have a different model. I want that to have a different model. We have to have a New Zealand model, yeah, right. not a political model. So, so the, the election year began with the, the costliest extreme weather events in New Zealand history, and of mm. course, National will allow oil and gas exploration. You've taken that money from the climate fund to fund tax cuts. You're promising lots of roads. You've done no emissions modelling on your transport plan, you're scrapping the clean car discount, <laughs> you're increasing the cost of public transport. Well, that's all true, right? No, let me... Let me no, no, that, no, is that true? Well, that's my I, question. Do I, do I get my shot to be able to tell you how... My question is, 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 is anything... Have I misrepresented any of those things? Yeah, I think the way you have misrepresented it. What, 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 what have I got wrong well, there? let me tell you how... We're no, 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 what have I got wrong there? Please tell me what I've got wrong there. Well, no, they, they may be our individual policies. OK, so they are. How it works so, 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 so given, given this year began with the costliest extreme weather event in our history. When you consider those policy positions, how do you think history will judge the National Party's well, climate the, policy? I think the National, National Party will be judged well because I'm determined that we are going to, fix, you know, we're going to solve our problems here in New Zealand. Let's be really cl clear. We are fixated on making sure we deliver on net carbon zero 2050. Mm. We want to deliver on the 2030 commitments that we've made and we've supported this government with the emissions budgets. So the ends and the goals we are united on. C right? Can I just be totally clear? The when means, when uh, it comes the to means, the 2050 target, just, just, to be, just to clear this up, you've committed to net zero, under, but the Zero Carbon Act also includes a speci specific target for methane, right? To correct. reduce emissions we, for biogen methane? Commit to that. Yeah, the 24 to 47 percent? Yeah, good. Yeah, okay. Correct. So that's all, the, the goal is really clear, right? Yeah. And if you're a climate minimiser, climate denier watching the show, give it up because mm. it's real and it's happening, and that's the goal that we're all working towards. Mm. Now the means by which I deliver those goals will be different from this government. Mm. And I think there are two things that we have to do. One is we have to get a proper functioning ETS scheme in place uh, as a, as, and make it work properly. Mm. Mm -hmm. because actually through pricing on polluters, that is actually how we bend our emissions curve and we actually mm. we, we march it down. Secondly, you've then got to say, what is it uniquely that government can do within society mm. that other actors can't do? And that is really around making sure we have things like resource consenting of renewable mm. projects, that we speed that up. It's a one-year you know, resource consent process. It mm. lasts for 35 years uh, because we've been terrible at that. It takes us 10 years to build a wind farm in New Zealand versus three years than it could be. Okay. And we've got to have network effects like EV charging networks. There are things that governments can uniquely do uh, and that we will continue to do to make the ETS work better. We're going to take an air break very quickly. Stay with us. Christopher Luxon will be back after the break.
Hoki Mai, welcome back to Q&A International Leader Christopher Luxon. So we talked about values in the first part, I want to talk about credibility in the second part. You have um, constantly sold your party as the party of economic credibility and your central policy for the cost of living crisis is a $16 billion tax cut. Now to sell, uh, to pay for those tax cuts you've got to sell $20 billion in property, right? $20,000 million of property. Now just to put that in perspective, I cross-checked one roof data with StatsNZ data last night You've got to sell three and a half Ponsonby's. To get to $20 billion, you need to take the GDP of Fiji, Samoa and Tonga and double it. So how are you going to do that? Well, Jack, I can tell you, I can't quite follow your numbers, uh, but what I'd say to you is there's no doubt about it, when you take away all the noise in the selection, everything mm. comes down to the economy. It's the number one issue that Kiwis are so concerned about. So how will about. you pay for those? Well, well, I've been very... how, how, how will you sell $20 billion worth well, let's of property? Be, let's, let's, let's take a step forward, uh, back. I mean, what we're saying is... You know, in government, we've got to do Sorry. two things. I, we've only no, got limited time. No, but Expli you, no, no, no. Explain to, to me, how exactly will you sell $20 billion worth of property over four years? Uh, what I'm saying to you is we're going to deliver New Zealanders tax relief. We're going to deliver lower middle income. I'm sorry. Tax relief. How will you sell I disagree 20... with your numbers. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not debating your numbers. Uh, $20 billion? No, I, I'm saying to you very clearly that we're going to make sure we deliver working New Zealanders income tax relief. The way in which we will do Tw that is um, reprioritise spending. No, I'm sorry. That, these are really simple revenue. questions, and this is your central policy. This is the policy. That speaks to your economic credibility. As per your policy, and you, can be you have to sell $20 billion worth of property over four years, right? And, and Jack, I am really comfortable with our policy. As you've had Nicola on last week and we've talked about it, we've released all our information and our modelling. You've released right. it all? We've released these, ha have you released your modelling? We've released 32 pages of actually our, our I'm cost sorry, assumptions. I'm sorry. Have you, you, no, 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 no. no, no. Have, will you, will you commit? We've released lawyer advice. Will you commit to releasing? your specific modelling that shows how you will sell $20 billion worth of property to foreigners... We, we have released years. a 30-page document with all... You haven't released that modelling. We have released our reviewers' You haven't released that modelling. through all our assumptions. I'm very comfortable with that. And we've released even legal advice. So in the interest of and credibility, does the public not deserve to see that modelling? And, Jack, what I'd also say to you is since we've made those announcements, there's been a number of experts and advisors that have come out into the public domain and said, look, this is great. If you are so confident we'll with your numbers... If you are so confident with your numbers, will you commit... To releasing that specific modelling, uh, I am extremely confident with our numbers. We have worked great. For so, months. so, will you We've commit? Got great reviewers, will you commit, great advisors. Will you and, commit uh, to releasing that specific modelling? That is the question. It's a very simple question. Will you commit to releasing the specific modelling that shows how you will sell twenty billion dollars worth of property to foreigners over the next four years? And Jack, we have released already our thirty-two page document. We've you want to be prime minister. You want to be prime minister. This our is advisors and consultants that have given that advice. Everyone and, watching this can see what you're doing, can see that you are going... Everyone, oh, oh, just ducking. Every time I ask you, it's a yes or no. Will you commit to releasing that modelling? Uh, we've already released the information we're going to release, you, Jack. Uh, so, no. Yeah, that's In other words, so, no. We've released what we're going to release. Okay. What's important that the New Zealanders watching the show is what they need to know is that low- and middle-income workers are going to get tax relief. The plan is fully funded. We have had it reviewed... But, you, but you are not releasing that modelling. And this is all comes to. down to economic credibility. To. No, it doesn't. What are you afraid of? I'm not afraid of anything. I'm, then great, I'm then release the modelling. a fantastic tax package for working New Zealanders, which is okay. fantastic. It's so, brilliant. So, so, so one issue is the, is the numbers. And, and no, there is no issue on the numbers. Well, by all means, release the modelling. By all, by all means, release the modelling. You could clear this up in a heartbat we wouldn't have to agonize over and this we have clear it up go, in a go, I'd encourage everyone jump on look at the 32 page and document. you will not find the modeling on that okay <laughs> so that so that that's one question the, the numbers you got to sell 20 billion dollars worth of property over 4 years the next question is legality so in 2016 John Key briefly considered taxing foreign buyers of New Zealand property with a stamp duty and a stamp duty 
is extremely similar to the tax or fee that you are proposing. Now, he was asked at the time whether there were legal provisions that would exclude us from taxing Chinese buyers, and here's what John Key said at the time. We don't have the right to put on, funnily enough, a stamp duty. Um, and the reason for that is that stamp duty was, you know, taken off the table, if you like, through the free trade agreements we had, not only with Australia and Japan, and this also includes Mexico. Again, stamp duty very similar to the tax that you were proposing. Now, since then, New Zealand signed the 2019 tax treaty with China, which has the same provision, meaning that we couldn't put in the discriminatory clause. However... John Key got advice that there was one way around that discrimination issue in the double tax agreements. There was one way to tax foreign buyers. You have to apply the fee to all non-tax residents. The problem with that mm -hmm. is that it includes New Zealand citizens. So here's what John Key said. A tax on non-residents would capture some New Zealand citizens as well as foreigners as it would be applied on the basis of residency, not nationality. So to be 100% clear, and please give us a clear answer on this, do you have expert legal advice that explicitly says you can tax non-residents, including Chinese buyers, whilst creating a carve-out for all New Zealand citizens? Jack, I'm not going to get into this with you. I'm going to be really clear with you about why, why where we are. Because where we are is we're saying you're focusing on one aspect of our, our funding for our this tax plan. This is fundamental no, to the credibility of, of, of we, your central policy. You want to be you Prime are Minister. You're on foreign buyer ban that we're putting in place. This, we have this, taken you need a, a foreign buyer ban to yeah. raise $740 million in yes. order to fund the tax cuts that you were a giving part to New of Zealand. How we fund a, the tax cuts. Yes. Remember, there's other bits to it which $740 million a year. I've just asked you really, yep. clearly, really yep. clearly, and do you have expert legal advice that explicitly says you can tax non-residents, including Chinese buyers, whilst creating a carve-out for New Zealand citizens? I appreciate... Answer that question. I appreciate there'll be a range of views about this topic. We Answer have, that we question. Have, we have do you have... advisors and experts that have actually said that this is possible, and we are going to do that. You've, you've, had, you've had issues put up by the Labour Party around FTAs. It's not possible. Well, it is. You've had issues put up around tax treaties. It's not possible. Will well, you... It is. You've said they've had issues put up and say that a ban's not possible to reinstate. Well, it actually is, you know, to, to undo it. And that's what we're doing. So we've had the advice. I appreciate the advice is different from the people that you may be hearing from. I'm, I'm not hearing from anyone. I'm, just, domain, I'm, I'm listening to John Key, the yeah. former Prime Minister, uh, whom I know you were so close with. So he had major concerns about what, and what you are proposing. Advice, and I've and asked we you... we think we can find a way through it <laughs> and deliver it with great certainty so that every New Zealander, uh, working New Zealander, gets a tax relief and tax break. And that's what's important What does here. it say about the credibility of the so-called economic managers that you will not release tax advice that says what you are proposing is legal and possible and you will not release the modelling Jack, around your we numbers. have released a 30-page document about how this policy works. But we it doesn't have that information. Our reviewers' advice has gone through all of our assumptions and we have released um, legal advice as well. There have been subsequently a range of experts and, and people in the public domain... Mm whether it's been people who've been previously on the tax working group, whether it's been people like Charles Finney who've done a lot of FCA so, agreements but you, you, and they're saying you could, it's possible. So, I've asked you if you so have you that. I've asked confidence you, that yeah. we are going to do it, we're going to get it done. And so we just have to trust you. You've got the advice, well, but we you, just have to trust you. I don't know what you. more I can do. I've well, given, you can release the, the advice on both of these fronts. I've given you as we can. No, you haven't. No, you haven't. You haven't released the modelling. You haven't released the... You haven't released the... We're going to fund this by reprioritising government spending, and we're going to raise some new revenue. What funding are you going to reprioritise? As we said, around government spending. Yeah, so where are you making those cuts? 
Uh, well, we're saying across the public service, we actually want people... You to haven't, haven't, six, six you haven't actually worked out where you're going to make those cuts? No, we have. We've said a 6.5%. So what departments? 6.5% reduction in backroom functions. And mm. uh, yeah, we'd, we'd sooner not have all the comm staff and all the management mm. consultants. We want that in frontline services. We're saying in places like health and education, mm. we will increase the budget every single year in our government. But we actually want that money recycled out of mm. back office functions into frontline services. Okay. So I just say to if you, you, I think if you, it's a great no, plan. I just encourage you, everybody to say, if you're a lower middle income worker, if you, we've got if a you, fully funded tax plan. Well, well, well by all means, relief. if you're a lower income worker and you're interested in how the National Party will fund that tax plan, perhaps uh, Christopher Luxon might change his mind and release either the modelling or the tax plan. Or line. jump on and look at the 30 page. If you want to contact the Q&A team, hey, thanks. Good luck for the campaign. If you want to contact the Q&A team, please call it or my. These are our main platforms. You can find us on email, Twitter or Facebook. Up next, Te Party Māori co-leader Rāwari Waititi on Māori health being suspended from Parliament and his party's plans for tax. Te Party Māori make no excuses. They know their supporters aren't watching Parliament TV or poring over Hansard transcripts, but... As the party heads into next month's election, they're cautiously optimistic about picking up several more seats to return to Parliament with a larger caucus. But is it a party for whom representation is more important than explicit policy outcomes? I sat down on Thursday in Tauranga with co-leader Rawiri Waititi. I want to start with policy. You are proposing a radical change to taxation in New Zealand, including a wealth tax. It would be 4% for people with a net wealth over $5 million, 8% annually for net wealth over $10 million. How do you calculate it and how do you enforce it? Well, look, um, there's huge inequities here in terms of the wealth distribution in Aotearoa. There has to be some radical change. There has to be some transformative change in the tax system. Um, the way we've calculated it is to ensure that they, the wealthy are now starting to pay their fair share towards the, um, the upkeep of, this, of, the, of the country. If they're only paying 9.4% and the rest of the country is paying 20.4% to 30% in tax, you know, that tells us that there's, a huge, there's huge inequality in our, in our tax system. So a fairer tax system where they're paying their fair share based on their income. Um, it's like how poor people pay, pay tax based on their income. Um, the, the, the numbers work out to ensure that we can claw back about $16 billion, which is inclusive of, um, of tax fraud, which is costing this country $7 billion a year. And so, you know, making sure that we've got the resources to be able to go and track those things, I think, is vitally but important. How do you calculate the net worth every year? Well, who you... enforces that? <laughs> well, the government enforces tax anyway. So, you know, we've got to enforce it. We wanted to put money into the, uh, um, the SFO and into IRD also to ensure that we can enforce it. Um, and, to, and to be able to um, claw back some of that tax that they're actually not contributing. But is this a serious they want policy? To contribute. Yeah, is it a serious policy, though, or, or an aspirational policy? Well, because... look, every report, the, the, the report that came out of IRD and every other report that's come out, even um, the internal reports that have come out from the finance ministers, have all said that it needs to be a wealth tax. And so a wealth tax at 4%, an empty house tax at 3%, all of those have been advised by those particular reports that, you know, right from Cullen all the way through to Robinson, have all said that the country should have a wealth tax. I'm just, I'm interested in your policy, though, as it stands. So do, do trusts count? Um, they, we will go after everybody's individual wealth. And so so, if, so if, if their wealth is kept in a trust, that doesn't count? Well, if your wealth is kept in a trust, 
it will be looked at as your individual wealth. So if, you, if you've got wealth in a trust, that would be absolutely taxed. So hang on, uh, are trustees taxed or are beneficiaries taxed? If you own those assets in that trust, you will be taxed. No, but this is how, I mean, this is how <laughs> trusts are set up, right? So, I, so is it the trustee, the beneficiary, a discretion, discretionary beneficiary? The IRD, the IRD and the SFO will ensure that if you are associated to that trust, that that's the individual wealth, you will be taxed. Sounds like there's some detail missing yes. here, right? So, but if I was a wealthy person... No detail person, missing. Well, please, <laughs> the beneficiary, discretionary, beneficiary or trustee? The thing is, if you own, if you are owning that trust, you will be taxed on the individual um, um, ownership of that. OK. Um, <laughs> the company tax rate you want to lift from 28 to 33%. Um, so if I was a wealthy New Zealander or someone running a company looking to invest in New Zealand, why would I choose to invest in New Zealand? Um, we've spoken to many of those people who own those businesses and said, yes, um, yeah, we would be taxed. But it used to be 33%. Mm. In, the John Key, in the John Key government, we jumped back to 28%. The investment into the country is one thing, but not paying your fair share is another thing. And so um, I think taking it back to 33% before the key government, there was no issue. Dropping it back to 28%, um, you know, may have been an incentive at that particular time. But there's got to be, if you have a look at the, the distance between the rich and the poor, it's, it's getting worse and worse. When you've got banks that are making $7 billion a year, taking that money overseas, not investing it back, that, that, that money belongs to New Zealanders. Um, it belongs to Aotearoa. And so you can't have Australian-owned banks taking our money and investing it overseas. That must be used for the greater good of Aotearoa. But, but that's going to happen if you introduce a wealth tax, right? If I was a wealthy New Zealander with a net wealth more than $10 million and you're going to tax me 8% on that net wealth every year, why wouldn't I move overseas where I don't get taxed? Well, you move to Australia, you'll get taxed because they've also got a wealth tax, they've got GST, they've got all those types of things as well. So, Australia you know, doesn't have a wealth tax. Yeah, but they've got it in other things. So taking GST off Kai, right? They've got an empty house tax. They right. don't have a wealth tax, tax, but my question is capital the wealth tax. tax. Yeah, but, but it's, all, it's all married. No, but I mean, if you... If, if because you, it's the wealthy that owns those things. But if the wealthy the houses, all move overseas, own, then who's investing yeah. in new companies it's the and improving thing. productivity? They, they, they've got it in, in, other, in other ways where, they, where they're hitting the rich. We're putting it in a wealth tax, which has been advised in the last IRD report, and also... I don't the remember an IRD report recommending <laughs> an 8% net wealth they tax have over $10 million. Dollars. Um, te Pāti Māori has been a big supporter of Te Akawhai Order, the, the Māori Health Authority. We were the only ones that campaigned on it. And you use it as an example yep. for the sort of by Māori, for Māori approach you want to see in public services. Now, it is early days, obviously, but a report by the Whole Order Māori Advisory Committee was pretty scathing Which was in its progress so far. It found the Commission had underspent by tens of millions of dollars, had failed to recruit staff from DHBs, and was doing an overall poor job of commissioning services. <laughs> so why should that model be replicated? After nine months, you're going to, you're going to do a report on, on the Akafai. I tell you, that was the stupidest thing that ever happened. They should throw that report straight out into the bin. Here's the thing, there, though. There, there is no way... How many times has the Ministry of Health failed? Māori is still dying 7 to 10, 10 years earlier than, than non-Māori. We are still um, higher rates of cardiovascular disease, diabetes, cancer. And so they, the system has been failing us for 183 years. And they expect the Māori Health Authority to make a big difference, to clean up 183 years of damn mess that this government and the system has created amongst our people. 
that was a shocking uh, decision. Whoever the decision was um, needs to look at themselves very hard in the mirror. The thing is, though, there's a political dimension to this, right? In that the National Party, from the word go, has opposed the Akafai order, the, the Māori Health Authority. So in running that authority, they had a very limited window to prove their worth, to prove their efficacy before facing some of those political pressures of an election cycle. And now we have a possibility of a new national government that's going to come in and say, look, they're doing a terrible job, they might only be nine months in, but we're going to scrap it. Yeah, and that's the problem. That's the problem with those types of parties, national and act, who want to see Māori die seven to ten years early, who want to see incarcerated. So, oh, no, absolutely, absolutely, because I think we have changed. to contest that. Uh, well, you can contest that, but you tell me where, 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 where the data changes. You, 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 if you can point Follow to any, any, any statement from any MP who says they want, want Māori to die earlier. It's in their actions. And so not wanting to change the current system that has failed Māori for 183 years, mm. it's continuously doing the same thing over and over again, expecting different results. That's what the National Party want to do. That's what the ACT Party want to do. And that in their actions, it's actually saying, we want to keep Māori where they are. Get our country back on, on track. On what track? On the same track that it was when they were government um, six years ago. You have a policy when it comes to tamariki Māori, and I wanted to ask you um, about, about tamariki Māori who are in care at the moment. Is there any form of state care that you think is appropriate? Never. State should never ever be in care for anybody. Nobody. And in the, actually, in the Tiriti Waitangi, if you look at Article 1, right, Article 1 gave kawanatanga, gave governance, to Pākehā to be able to look after themselves. Not once in any of the three articles did it say Māori will be in state care. Not once. And so if you look at Article 1, that's about kāwanatanga. What we want to do is have a mokopuna entity that we were able to look after our own tamariki mokopuna. We were able to look after our own health outcomes. We were able to look after our own educational um, aspirations. Because that was, that's the right that we're given. We are a tiriti-based, rights-based party uh, movement. And so, Article 1, kawanatanga, look after yourselves. Article 2, malamotuhake, we look after ourselves. But we must be treated as equals in this country, which the last two articles have not been honoured. And so, the, the state should never ever, there's not once where in the Tiriti Awaitangi where it says, you, we give you rights to, to, to now look after us in state care. There's nothing in the treaty that says that. And so, there's an issue, there's an issue, huge breach. And so, Article 1, kawanatanga, look after yourselves. Article 2, we look after ourselves. Article 3, we all get treated equally. One other policy I want to ask about. Earlier this year, you announced New Zealand should be militarily neutral, the Switzerland of the South Pacific. So what happens if one of our Pacific neighbours requires military assistance in defending its exclusive economic zone? Um, we've never been exclusive of, of the Pacific, so in that policy it makes quite clear that we, are, um, that, that, that we should be looking after the Pacific as, as a one. We're all tangata moana, we're all related. And so, 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 so does that mean militarily though? That means whatever we need to do to look after ourselves as the Pacific because we're all related. So my question is that, for example, just to, to, to if Samoa had some sort of intrusion in its exclusive economic zone yep. and sought New Zealand's assistance yes. to defend it militarily, is that something you would be prepared Absolutely. to support? So it's not really neutral, is it? Well, not if you don't see the whakapapa. So if the but it's not. I mean, if the comparison is with Switzerland, you're producing though. countries. Right. We see Papa. Right. And that's the that's the intrinsic difference between the way 
Dewey Maori things. Well, I'm using your way. example of Switzerland, yeah. but, but, so, but to be 100% clear on yeah. this policy, you would support militarily we defending wouldn't. other Tangata Moana countries yes. in Absolutely. the Pacific. We, we are obligated to because of our whakapapa. Um, but the problem is, is that if you look at World War II, uh, per capita, Māori lost more than anybody else in that war. And not only that, when we came home, we lost more. We came back after the big ships had come back. We lost out on the land ballots. Mm. The big farms that, um, that people, that the mokopunas are now continuing to, um, to benefit off. Our people didn't get that. They weren't even allowed in the pubs when they got back. So they didn't get the benefits they were promised. And so why would we want to go over and fight wars for other people where we lost more life than anybody else, come back to a country that still didn't give us the honour of being true citizens in this country? Your party is constantly advocating for more money for whānau water. But the commissioning agency chair is one of your candidates. The commissioning agency CEO is your party president. How is that not a gross conflict of interest? There's huge conflicts of interest everywhere, if you, if you were to look at it at that particular... So you that accept that, that that's a conflict no, of interest? No, I don't. I don't I'm using your words, so you're saying it's a conflict, but if you look at no, it... No, I'm asking how is it not... Well, I'll explain to you. If you look at the affiliated members of Labour, who are they? Doctors, nurses, teachers. Are they conflicted? I don't understand the comparison. They're affiliated members of the Labour Party. Yeah, but what's final order? Receives tens of millions of dollars of funding. Well, what I'm saying is, why has that question been asked of everybody? And then you look at business. How many businesses, right, get government contracts? Mm. Government contracts. They get they get um, they get levies. They get tax uh, breaks. They get all of these things from from the government, and they pay into national enact. I'm just saying, See, why is it why is it hypocrisy? Um, you know, when it comes to to Maori businesses, because you have a candidate. You, you have a candidate who is the chair, you've had, you've and, and your party president is the CEO of the commissioning agency. You've had candidates agency. from Fonterra, <laughs> from all of these types of um, organisations standing for national. You've had other stand. You've had union um, 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 leaders standing for for Labour. And here's the problem: when the Maoris do it, you're naughty and you're a conflict of interest. You were suspended from Parliament after appearing to breach name suppression for a case currently before the courts. What on earth were you doing? What on earth were they doing suspending me? What were you doing? What was I doing? I asked a simple question in the House, but I'm not going to go into that because... No, I know you're not prepared yeah. to repeat it outside of the House, but why did you do that? Because the Party of Māori actually is probably the, the fairest and truest party that stands for equal law and order. So do you not believe in judicial authority and independence? I believe that there should be law and order for all that's equal. Unfortunately, Māori are 50% of the prison population, uh, are male. Uh, the male prison population in Aotearoa, 50% are Māori. 64% of the female prison population are Māori. That's not fair. And so when I hear other parties talking about um, a fairer justice system, hard on crime, you know, um, law and order. And we have a justice system that has one rule for one lot and one rule for others. So That's you, an issue. you think as a politician you should be able to make unilateral decisions about issues of justice? Politics, governments make unilateral decisions all the time. As a politician, should you just be able to overrule the courts when it's... As a politician, you challenge the... Um, the, the you, you, it's a challenge of ideas, right? And you must push back against those who profess to be 
um, the authority or the spokesperson on law and order. But it's about, it's about judicial independence, though, isn't it? Well, there's judicial independence. The thing is, judicial independence should not make their, their judgments based on political outcomes. Well, the Treaty of Waitangi has a mixed legal status at the moment, but if you'd argue that politicians should be able to ride roughshod over judicial authority when they choose, what is to stop other politicians from completely ignoring legal decisions that establish a legal status for Tetiriti? Um, Tetiriti should never ever be in a legal space. Should never um, be? Never. Once you put it in there, it becomes kāwanatanga. Mm. Did you regret that? What? What you said in Parliament? I don't regret anything I say in Parliament. The thing is that it, it, it was said I have been reprimanded for it, I've been suspended for it, mm. um, and, um, you know, I can't take it back. Mm. It's done. Do you think it was the right thing to do? I will always stand up for equal rights and opportunities for Tiwi Māori, and especially in a justice system that continues, a racist justice system that continues to incarcerate my people. Do you think divisions between Māori and non-Māori are any worse in this election campaign and political environment than in the past? I think it's more heightened, and it's heightened because of the social theory being used by some of the other political parties on the right. You know, when you use words like apartheid, mm. um, that was a white supremacist tool used in Africa against black Africans. Separatism and segregation, those are white supremacist tools used in America against African Americans. Uh, subhuman, when you use words like subhuman, that's a word the Jews used to use to, uh, the, um, the Nazis used to use to explain the Jews, to identify the Jews. So when you're using, sub, uh, when you're using that type of um, uh, social theory in, in the communities, of course it's going to create moral panic and fear. And, um, and especially an older Pākehā people who deserve the integrity to retire in peace, to have the, the quiet life that they, they've hard work for, but to then uh, uh, have the social theory create moral panic and fear, there's an issue. And this is what's happening. This is what's happening. Because we fight to be the best tangata whenua we can that Aotearoa deserves, doesn't mean that we're anti anybody else. Absolutely not. When you're wanting to blow up things in Pacific you know, people's uh, Ministry for Pacific Peoples, all those types of things. You've never heard that from us once. That I have, we want I have to, heard we want this, to quote, those types of things. It is a known fact that the Māori genetic makeup is stronger than others. Well, it's stronger than me, and I've got a whole lot of genetics in me. That was on your website. Is that racist? Why? How can it be racist when you're trying to empower people that are climbing out from the bottom of the bonnet of co colonial violence for the last 183 years? How is that racist? I, I when all know, you're doing I is trying know, to build your people I should up. know that statement has been removed. It is a known fact that the Māori genetic makeup is stronger than others. It was on your sport policy on, on, on your website. Well, but I, when you think about the language yeah. you've just criticised and you compare that with the language on your own website, well, can you acknowledge that perhaps your language yeah, has contributed to that, these tensions? How, did that, well, how was that imposed on anybody else? We're talking to ourselves. You're talking to everyone when you publish it on a website, are we? The Party Māori directly talks to our people. And so we're trying, to, we're trying to rebuild our people, right, from, like I said, years and years of colonial violence on our people. And so why can't we call ourselves magic? Why can't we call ourselves proud? Why can't we believe in ourselves? And why can't we say to our people that your genetics means something, that you can be proud of that? Do you stand by that comment? A lot of sports people do. What about you, though? Do a lot of sports people comment? have come out and said, 
my Māori Papa has made me a better athlete. Mm. You don't have to look too far to know who, who, who those, who those uh, sports people are. What happens if you lose? Then you lose. But in this, but you never lose. In this, in this election, uh, I mean, you, you have had an impactful three years, but there is a, a strong likelihood that a national-led government, maybe a National Act government, could be in power after October 14th. What will that mean for Te Pāti Māori? Nothing. What that means for Te Pāti Māori is that we continue to do the mahi that we're here to do. But I don't care about what's happening with, with National Act or Labour or, or the Greens. At the end of the day, those, both those governments have harmed our people. And Te Pāti Māori are not here to ensure that one gets in or that one gets in. We will continue to ensure that the voice of Tiwi Māori is heard unapologetically in that house, regardless of who's the government. We've moved on from the reliance on, on, on uh, parties that have continued to harm our people. We don't subscribe to that. We don't subscribe to that anymore. And so we'd never lose. We will continue the fight. Many of the fighters, much of the fight uh, for Tiwi Māori has been done outside of Parliament mm. before the establishment of Te Pāti Māori 16 years ago. Land marches, um, petitions. They, we have been political for a very, very long time, and that won't change. The reason I ask is, uh, John Tamahiri, your party president, had an interesting comment he made this week. Quote, if you're going to treat us as just some new breed that just arrived here and wipe out our rights, there will be trouble in this country. So considering the possibility of a government with a support party that would be committed to rolling back some of the policies you have supported, I'm wondering what difference the next three years will have will mean for Te Pāti Māori? Oh, Te Pāti Māori will continue to push our kaupapa. And, and, and the trouble is, it's not we're going to inflict trouble. The trouble is that he's talking about is there will be trouble would be Māori taking 20 to 10 uh, to 30 years back, a back step from where we've come to from uh, to now. And so if we, if we, if there are huge policy changes, if, they, if they're going to take away the rights to Māori wards, the rights to um, have a Māori authority, which is very similar to kohanga reo or kura kaupapa, that hasn't hurt anybody. It's actually um, um, had, had better uh, uh, achievement outcomes than mainstream schools for Māori, although 80% of our people are still in mainstream schools. The kids that are in, the 20% that are in kura kaupapa are achieving better results. And that's what that system can do. We want a health system where our people are getting better results. If you gave us the same amount of time and the same amount of resource that the current system has had to fail our people, I'll tell you, you'd have a different, you, you would have the tangata whenua Aotearoa deserves. It's Rawiri Waititi. After that interview, we felt it was important to give a right of reply to Rawiri's comments regarding the National and ACT parties and Māori life expectancy. So here's what they had to say. National's health spokesperson Shane Reti said, this is an appallingly reckless claim. National will deliver better health outcomes for all New Zealanders, including Māori. National has already announced many health policies, including funding 13 new cancer treatments, which will have life-extending or life-saving benefits for everyone, but especially Māori, who are overrepresented in cancer, st uh, cancer statistics. And ACT leader David Seymour says New Zealand faces serious challenges and needs honest, healthy debate on what policies will overcome them. ACT opposes the Māori Health Authority because division doesn't work. Mr Waititi would be better off explaining what he will do for Māori instead of divisively and dishonestly misrepresenting other parties' motivations. We represent a growing number of Māori who want a better tomorrow from devolved social services that ACT supports and are tired of Mr Waititi's theatrics.
After the break on Q&A, Te Tai Ho Auru, Ikaroa Rafiti and Tamaki Makoto. We are on the ground for one of the seats Te Pāti Māori is hoping to snag in this year's election. Welcome back. Even though Labour won a huge election victory in the 2020 election, there were a few seats where their electorate majorities were diminished. One of those was Tamaki Makoda, where Minister Penny Hienare's lead over Te Pāti Māori's candidate John Tamahiri was cut to just under 1,000 votes. With a new candidate running for Te Pāti Māori in 2023, can the incumbent hold on? Here's Fina Owen. Minister. Sure. <laughs> Are you still Minister though? Uh, technically I am. But we're here to talk about his other job, Member of Parliament for Tamaki Makoto. Peony Henari took the seat in 2014 from the Māori Party's Pitta Sharples. Last election, Te Pāti Māori's John Tamahere narrowed the margin, so Tamaki Makoto's current MP is now in defence mode. Of the seven Māori seats, Tamaki Makoto has the highest number of eligible voters, 39,000 across the electorate. The electorate now includes Waiheke Island. On the mainland south of the Harbour Bridge, it stretches out west, east to Pakaranga, and south to Takanini. Out south is where Te Pāti Māori's candidate is based, Takutai Tash Kemp, the CEO of Manurewa Marae, and we're in the Marae car park, checking out Te Pāti Māori's political marketing. I wanted to ask you about this, I've seen this, Te Pāti Māori have used the QR code, what do you do? So you pull out your phone, go to your camera and scan away and click on the link. What I find with pamphlets is people actually just throw them in the rubbish. Nationals Tamaki Makoto candidate Henorewa Tahau is in Panmua this morning posting pamphlets because most residents are at work. For the first time in 20 years, National was running a candidate in Māori seats here and in Tahauauru. Henurewa is 38 on the National list. She's contested a general seat for National in the 90s and also stood for the Māori Party when it had an accord with National. Do you perceive it as quite a different party? Yes, I do. Yeah, for me, they've gone too far to the left. doesn't mean I disrespect what they're doing. Far from it. We need, you know, they're doing what they do. National, she says, wants to give centre-right voters in this seat a choice. Dame Tariana has always stood for, has always said to us, you know, the, the social welfare system doesn't fit our people, and I completely concur with that, you know. Uh, this is about self-reliance, self-determination, autonomy, not at the expense of culture, but just that, you know, we need to uh, stand on our own mana. We're headed to Waiheke Island, where the Greens candidate is based. Greens co-leader Marama Davidson had represented Greens in this seat for a while but stepped aside to focus on other work. Darling? In a tunnel house at the back of the marae, Darling Tana is getting seedlings started. Our manuhiri who come in. Um, so we'll have a mix of things. We'll have, you know, lots of broccoli, cabbages, cauliflower. 
But we're not here to talk veggies. Darlene Tanner is a mum, businesswoman with a science degree, an environmental activist, and is multilingual, having lived in Europe for 20 years. I've always looked out beyond the horizon to see what was coming. Um, and so living overseas and seeing how uh, things were going down, you know, socially, environmentally. Q&A visited Hana Tamaki from Vision NZ last year. Last election, she contested Wairiki. This time, she's standing in Tamaki Makaurau. If anybody's in Tamaki Makaurau and they're part Māori, oh yeah. We're here up at Kitemwana Street with our whānau from Ngāti Whātua Kiorake. This whare here, who's still the family, lived there with the family that we lived with when I was a child. And so we lived here for quite a while before we found our own home, which was only just up the road. But that meant that I was one of the first Kohanga children to go to Kohanga here. The incumbent MP is keen to show us new whare, kainga order builds progressed by the Labour government. And I'm proud that when I look across Tāmaki Makoto, there have been lots of new builds for whānau here in Tāmaki, but yeah, of course we've got lots more work to do. This is our drive-through food bank. We never envisaged to be a fully-fledged food bank here in Manurewa. Te Party Māori candidate Takutai Kemp is hoping her grassroots connections into the South Auckland community will convert to votes. Once again, this contest is predicted to come down to Labour and Te Party Māori. Our people want change. They want to see somebody who is going to actually support them, manaki them, care for them, just like we have here on our marae, and we'll continue to do that as Te Party Māori. Don't you think they see that in Labour? I don't think they see that in Labour anymore. And you'll see uh, how conscious... I can't believe that <laughs> We've ended up at Mahurihuru Marae in Point Shev. Peony Henare has a meeting here later as Minister, but he's still in campaign mode. My campaign this year is about protecting what we've built. I've been personally hands-on in building a Māori health authority and building a Māori housing policy. I was responsible for all those as my time as a minister, and those are gone if, if Labour's voted out. Are you worried, though, about that slippage, the margin? You're down to about oh, 2020, about 927 between you and Te Pāti Māori? Every race is different. Last time we ran against John Tamihere, one of the titans of Māoridom, and we came out on top, of which I'm thankful that Tāmaki Makoto saw me uh, as their representative and put their trust and vote in me. I love this city. It's my home. <laughs> Stuck in my head all day. Fina Owen in Tamaki Makoto. Hey, Aku and they we're back after the break. Cool, Mutu, that is QA for this week. From the QA team, thanks for watching. Thanks for your feedback. Hey, Tera Wiki, we'll see you next Sunday at 9 a.m. QA is public interest journalism funded through New Zealand on air.